Ah, the birds are singing. The sun is out. The water is rushing. Tweet, 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 tweet. It is a beautiful day. You find yourself listening to a podcast about professional sports produced and created by people who have never played professional sports. The serenity is immeasurable. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And we will be your guides along this journey. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 75. We are three quarters of a century here over at Amateur Hour. Uh, We've got a lot here on the docket today, folks. Uh, We've got uh, some redrafting. We got a little bit of time manipulation. If we could go back, we're uh, basically going to be Dr. Strange's today to (laughs) Dr. Stranger. (laughs) Um, We've got (laughs) our highs, our lows. Strange eye. (laughs) Dr. Strange Eye, get our highs, our lows, and you're going to want to stick around for all those. Let's see. So we're going to dive right in to our three quarters of a century episode today. Uh, thank you for being here. All that and more are coming up on this episode of Amateur Hour. But let's get things rolling, as always, with the weekly highs. The weekly highs. Yeah, Max. So let's start with my personal high for this week. Uh, me and a bunch of friends went down uh, for a little housewarming for one of my friends. Nice. And that was that was a really fun time. We've never been to his new place. Yeah, he bought his place like earlier this year. He invited us all down. It was definitely a really fun time. You know, got to got to play some some ultimate down where he is and uh, a little disc, a little disc, and you know, hop in the pool and you know, also play some pool, some billiards. Um, it was just a fun fun full day of laughter and enjoyment and exercise and all of the above. Uh, wow. So it was a good time. Yeah. You were frolicking. <laughs> frolicking, dude. Frolicking in some new uncharted uncharted waters, uncharted uh, areas. So, did he buy his house or did he rent? Yeah. It's his. It's his. Yep. Oh, my it's God. His. Somebody That's buying. We were, all, some- we, were, we were all so happy for him. So we got, a, we got to enjoy that with him. For the first time that's fantastic wow yeah. that is oh nice good for him yeah in no, this economy really awesome. <laughs> for sure for sure that's like that's the real feat too um now on to my sports high and uh you can kind of see based on the shirt i'm wearing i'm wearing a boston shirt and that's on brand this, for you. I'd it's on brand. on brand. It's definitely on brand, and it's going to be on brand with the sports high, and that's because the New York Yankees have been pulling a Boston Red Sox over the past couple weeks to a month or so, uh, especially since the All-Star break. They have not been playing very well, and of the last 19 games, they have lost 15 of them. Uh, they're definitely not wow. playing like one and max we were talking all about off pod you basically said i have no clue what the sport is because i thought the the last time we talked about them they were killing it and now we're talking about them and they're just not and uh i just i totally agree and that's that's the one thing about a long baseball season is you think for a second that you know you're playing poorly and you could get hot in a minute right we talk about the Nationals, when they won the World Series, they were a mediocre team during the regular season, but they got hot right before the playoffs, made it in through the wild card, and then won the World Series. All their talent ended up being, right? So there's that portion. But then you talk about teams like the 2011 or 2012, the the chicken and beer Red Sox, where they're rolling through the red uh, season and then absolutely shattered in August and September. So it can happen both ways. The Yankees, as we know, were were going crazy. Like yeah. they were keeping track with the Dodgers and the Mets and some of the best teams, and even even exceeding those teams, especially during the first half of the season. They were playing really well. Their pitching was really dominant. Garrett Cole was dominant. Uh and not so much anymore. Right now, at least, Garrett Cole has not been winning games. He's pitched poorly. Uh, the bullpen has not played as well. And yeah, they haven't hit. That's the thing too. Is their offense isn't isn't working. Last night they lost 
and their manager Aaron Boone came on to talk to the media after the game and you could tell he was holding it in and that he didn't want to <gasps> talk about his players in a bad light. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> and he did it. He did it. Yeah. He, he did a table pound too. You, you could tell like anything he didn't want us to verbalize. Everything was like, he did like a boom, like right to the table. And you could tell that was where all his rage was going to. Cause if he had started talking about his team in a bad light, it would have looked bad on him, but he was like, it's good. It's good. It's good self-control. Yeah, the veins in his foreheads were bulging. I just remember, Shay, you were telling me like a couple couple weeks ago, you were like, dude, the Yankees are having like a historic kind of run right now. Just, I mean, they were killing people, like killing people, like like double digit wins. And in baseball, you know, that's not, that is not commonplace. Much like Mm -hmm. soccer, it's very low scoring. So, how the turntables, as Michael yeah. Scott once said. They, and they got to pick it up. They they had a massive lead in the ALEs. They are now somehow down to, I think they gave up nine or ten games in as in terms of their lead on the, the next team. And I think now they're seven up on the Blue Jays. So a lot of teams gaining traction on them. Will it be enough to overtake them? Maybe, maybe not, because they had a massive lead to begin with. But the fact that they're playing this way, regardless of what, if they still end up uh, first in the division and, and any of that sense, it's how you play at the end of the day, right? So you could you, you could play really well, kind of squeak it to the playoffs if you don't play well. But the last memory that you have before the playoffs is how you've played of late. So they got to get back to playing good baseball if they want to have any chance of making it. Like This was a team halfway through the year that was, considered a World Series favorite. Mm-hmm. And I know that term comes along very often for Yankees teams and that also washes away very quickly for Yankees teams of late. Could this be this could this be a similar scenario? Like maybe. I don't know if this is a World Series team. Just way just the way that they've kind of flip-flopped. There isn't any consistency. Yeah. Um and that's what that's what they need, especially in a long 162 games is a is a long time for bad things to happen and or good things to happen. This is one of those bad things, but good thing for if you're yeah. a not if you're a Yankees uh, hater or not a, just a fan, you don't like the team, you don't like any of the players, whatnot. This is a high for you. Well, you just isolated our fan base because we got a lot of listeners in New York, Shrey. Uh, <laughs> no, guys, it's okay. It's all right. We don't we don't hate all New York teams. It's just the classic rivalry. You got to uphold it. Got to stay consistent. Gotta all right, well, I'm going to bring things over to the lows because if you're a Yankees fan, that's not good to hear. Uh, Thomas, if you're listening, so sorry. Just kidding. I'm not. You always rub it in when they win. So <laughs> <laughs> The lows. I want to go to uh, my personal low. So you remember how I DJed that uh, wedding? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So it turns out somebody there had COVID, gave it to like 45 people. 45 people from that wedding tested positive from COVID. Now, I did not. I was okay because I was in my little like nook and cranny, kind of just dancing by myself. But 45 people from that wedding, including the bride who is uh, – Pregante, so not good. No. Yo, what a selfish move. Wait, was this someone that had symptoms or? We don't know. I have no idea. Hopefully, no idea. if the, hopefully you would know better if you had the symptoms and decided to go to a wedding. But I know. 45 people. Like, like boom, tests, like family, friends, like everybody in the next couple of days just started coming down with it. So that, yeah, classless move if you knew. But sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you, sometimes know you I mean? don't you're know. Like, sometimes you're asymptomatic. Yeah. I got, yeah, asymptomatic. Are you like, oh, I got a snivel, like it's allergies. Right, right. You don't you know, know what until I mean? it's like, like it's... full blown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So that's my low this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my other low is if we're going to talk about a specific fan base and we're going to talk about uh, kind of being upset and frustrated, if you're a Las Vegas Raiders fan, uh, a new report just came out that. Wow. At John Gruden absolutely blew. Uh, 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 basically, all right, so what happened was Tom Brady, right? Remember how he was a free agent? Remember how he was leaving New England? So UFC president Dana White comes out and he's like, hey, guess what? I got something that works. He's on, so he's on, Let me give some uh, background, Max. He's on the Gronk cast. 
Gronk's new um, like podcast. Manning. No, no, no. You know how the, oh, it's a they show? have Manning. Yeah, you know how they have the yeah. Manning cast for some football games. They oh, like yeah, have yeah, Manning. Yeah. The Mannings talk to each other. This is Gronk cast. This is Gronk talking about UFC and boxing that ESPN has newly created. Dana Dana White, the UFC president. Uh, it was a UFC night uh, yesterday. He came on to talk to Gronk and then continue. Yes, he came on to talk to Gronk, and back in 2020, he like put this package together. Call it collusion, call it what you will. He's like, I'm going to get Tom Brady and Gronk. Like, I'm literally putting a package together for them to come play for the Raiders, right? We're going to have a great time out here in Las Vegas. It's going to be fantastic. They're going to be the new faces of the franchise, right? At the time, Raiders definitely needed a boost. Uh, (laughs) Turns out the head coach got wind of this and he's like, nope. I don't want Tom Brady. And then all of a sudden everything blew up because Tom Brady is not going to go where he's not wanted. And for this guy to come out and be like, yeah, no, I don't think I'll be taking the best quarterback of all time. Great. Thanks, John. So Dana White's like, dude, you have no idea how much drama goes on behind the scenes. Like you have no idea the full story. So it was a little bit of a teaser. But again, if you're a Raiders fan, you came this close to getting, again, the greatest quarterback of all time on your team. Yeah. That's got to sting just a little bit. And Max, if you remember, around that time, right, right after Brady had signed with the Bucks, he went on uh, the shop, uh, LeBron James's show, and he was talking and, about, yeah, yep, and he was talking about, you know, what teams were after him, and you know, what team said no to him, and he specified, he didn't specify the team, he didn't specify any person he had a con- in contact with. But he said something along the lines of, you picked that MFR over me. Like, and that MFR is Derek Carr. So that's where people are trying to piece the puzzle. Is this now, now about what it. Dana White yeah. said? And is that John Gruden that said, I don't want you, and that they picked Derek Carr over Tom Brady? Because if you remember, Max, when he was a free agent, right? When he, was, when he knew that there was a chance of, or when we knew that there was a chance of him leaving New England, People were questioning. Teams were questioning. Okay, do I take the 42, 43-year-old? How many years does he have left? If he's Obviously, if he's leaving, he's going to ask for more money than he did in New England. Right? You talk about teams that, like, they were like, they, some teams were probably like, we kind of want the younger guy at this point. We'll get 10 years of him versus maybe two of Tom Brady. That's how people were thinking. Dude. Well, they're, they're, it's kind of the same thing. It's like with Kevin Durant right now. You're like, okay, superstar, he's that good. But we, they've always said Tom versus time. Remember when that came out? It was in like 2016, 17. He did like, that Tom early. Brady versus time. <laughs> they did that early. They're like, how much longer can this man do? How much longer can he go? Wins two Super Bowls after that. You're like, all right. All right, man. Uh, so, yeah. no, but straight. I think that honestly makes sense because literally it's for John Gruden to come out and be like, I don't want Tom Brady. And that's what Dana White said. Again, this is all a little right. bit of hearsay, but that could very well be true. And if that's the case, I understand. He, apparently, Tom Brady was looking at houses in Vegas. He was, I did. So that's where the report, like, he was look. I remember him looking for houses in Vegas. I remember that was a report that if it happened, like, I like it could have just been like, oh, I'm looking for houses in Vegas. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a hot spot type of deal. But, like, obviously, the moves he's making are, as long as he wants to play football, they're going to be football related. So that's where the Raiders originally were one of the teams that you would think like, okay, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the the 49ers, because he's a San Francisco uh, kid, you know what I mean? Right, that, right. That, that all like, okay, those are teams that were going to have interest with them. I think the Bears also were in the mix and stuff like that. Anybody wants Tom Brady except for the Raiders. And that that's so that's so crazy. Because originally when we heard the, the shop interview – we thought, at least I thought, thought I don't know what you thought. Well, I thought it was um, San Francisco. And I thought they were saying we're picking Jimmy Garoppolo Jimmy over G. him. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because, you know, Jimmy G, he he was under Tom Brady. But then now he's the guy that's getting picked over Tom Brady. And Tom Brady gets slighted because that's his hometown team. And it all fit together. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it all made sense that way. But the fact yep. that. He would have, he was willing to go to Las Vegas, relocate, and that the Raiders were a possibility. And then now there's a potential that the coach nixed the deal that 
it's all weird that Dana White isn't the one making the deal that it, like I'm again it's I'm, collusion. It's it's collusion. That's collusion. And I'm also I'm also going to kind of I feel like I want to throw a little bit of water that like Dana White has so much pull on Tom Brady and the NFL that he's going to create a a deal for a team that he's not involved in just for a city that he goes like you know what I mean that he's it's my just, city. Dana like, White said. Like, yeah, like city. he's like making like like moves in other organizations like yeah, I'm Dana White. Like I'm on the, I'm on the phone. <laughs> hey, Mr. Belichick. Yeah, I got an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> yeah, Let exactly. Him go. <laughs> exactly. Don't it's pay like, him. Like I'm gonna be like uh, I don't know I feel like maybe Dana White's like giving himself too much credit maybe but that the, there's but that there is any possibility that this could happen oof if it's real if if something comes out that like if a real hey, report comes out oof ESPN published the story man I'm not gonna completely discount it and I think there's a little bit of validity there so I'll take it. I'll take it. We'll, we'll yeah. take it. We'll run with it. We'll take it. All right, it. folks. Well, I want you to get out your uh, forks and knives as we dive into the meat and the potatoes of this episode. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to bend space and time, and we're going to use our ability of being in the future to go back into the past. What I mean by that is we're going to go back to the year 2016, and we're going to go use our mind-melding powers, <laughs> and we're going to alter the draft for the NBA, knowing what we know now. So mm-hmm. Shrey and I are going to take turns ranking our top seven picks based off of the players that were already within that draft, and we're going to rank them for pretty much how good we think they are now at this point. Now, this is going to factor in everything. This is going to factor in injuries, winning, you know, average play and points and stats, um, and then kind of we're not really going to take into consideration like the team and the fit on the team. We're just really going to rank the players by where we think they should have been taken if NBA GMs could see into the future. Does that sort of mm. make sense? Great. <laughs> so just want to read no, off real quick. Have, never mind. What? No, I was going to say. I was going to say. You said it, it doesn't make sense. I was going to ask a question. That no, question. <laughs> no question. No question. All right. But, so I just want to read off. No. No more. <laughs> now, I just want to read off to everybody real quick. This is the order of the top seven that we actually had. Okay. Ben Simmons, number one. Brandon Ingram, number two. Jalen Brown, number three. Dragon Bender, number four. Chris Dunn, number five, Buddy Mm-mm. Heald, number six, and Jamal Murray, number seven. Mm-hmm. All right. With that in mind, there's a lot more talent a little bit deeper into this draft, and we are going to go and alter time. So, Shreyas, now that we are traveling back in time, we are altering time and space with our infinite knowledge of the future. <laughs> Who is your number one pick? Who should the Philadelphia 76ers have taken? Whether it be Ben Simmons, he remains at number one, or someone else. It's gonna be someone else, and that no! player is gonna, <laughs> gonna be Jalen Brown. I think. Ow! I think yes. b- uh, biases aside, and I think the player that has made the most improvement and is a player that you can build around just based off of his skill set as we see him today is Jalen Brown. I think his ability, he's he's versatile defensively, he his athleticism offensively, and he's not stuck on that athleticism either. He understands when and where to to use that and how and how to and he's he's grown in his his shooting ability as well and his ability the one thing if I had to find a flaw, and that's something we've seen in the playoffs from this past year kind of in the more of a limelight because the team did well. And that right. was his ball handling. And I think if that's something that if that's like really the only kind of flaw in his game and he's going to keep getting better from a scoring standpoint, from an understanding his team standpoint, that's, I think that's a guy that you, you should be happy that you pick to build around because that's a, that's a, that's a position that small forward wing wing style but he plays like a guard like he has like the best of both in a sense right Um, he's super shifty like that's that's a player and and you know he can win he can win he can be clutch right he's made he's made clutch plays before his winning ability his ability to play within the team that's all stuff that you want from a player 
Right, and he's six six, and like Trey said, he plays like a guard. I mean, think about every year, man. This guy has gotten better and better and better. His mentality, he has gotten tougher as a player. He yeah. started, you know, really shooting threes at a high percentage. Started yeah. taking great shots. Yeah, you know, I, I, I will. I will agree with the handle thing being a weakness. I, I think the guy still has insane handles. I just think that sometimes it's like a little bit of over dribbling mm-hmm. just situationally. And that's something that, again, we keep seeing him in the offseason. He keep, keeps getting better. I mean, he helped. He was an integral part of taking the Celtics to the finals this year and keeping them in the playoffs and doing all this stuff. And also, hey, the guy's active in his community and off the court. You know, if we, we talked about Bill Russell last week and being a vocal leader and an activist. I mean, not only is in the NBA Players Association, you know, and a voice for them. I literally got to sit down in an interview with this guy because he was doing a, in, like a, a talk for UMass students. Super humble, super mm. nice guy. Like, ah, absolutely number one. And if we look at everybody else in the draft, who's got the highest stock? As of right now, right? Yeah, a that's minor true. minor injuries have set him out a little bit, but man, does he just keep getting better? And like you said, small forward. Sometimes, you know, you're going to get like a bigger, slower guy. This one, you could put him at two, three, sometimes even one. Like he has run the floor on occasion. Yeah, and when I and yeah. also when we talk about his injury risk, I of the of my top three at least. Ta- uh, he has the least amount of injury risk to me. Like he had some issues with his hamstring that one year, I think in the, the, in the yeah in the shortened season. And there have been uh, talk about his knees, right? And and that there was some issues there. But how he plays, I think he his ability he can continue to play through that. He's like if it's like a lifetime thing that like you know it's some issue that he has to keep managing and stuff. He knows how to play through it at this point. It's not something that he doesn't know. And he seems to be obviously over the the hamstring thing. And I think the wrist thing was also an issue last year. So there like those are things where it's like he he comes he comes back better and it's not an issue for him going into the next year. And that's where I'm like, okay, I feel like the injury risk with him, especially within our list, is the least amount of these top top players so yep no and i agree and uh if we look at just each year right his shooting percentages have gone up his points per game have gone up they're a little bit down this year from 23.6 versus Mm 24.7 again six rebounds a game you know over three assists over a steal Mm -hmm. i mean and just you just and again here's the thing okay yeah we look at numbers you look at stats the eye test he passes it every time number one pick jalen brown can't think of anybody better in the draft. Easy. Yep. Easy. Number two. Who you got, Max? I want you to go first. Oh, who I got? All right. Yeah. So this one was this one was tough for me. This one was tough for me. And I put this guy here because if we're looking at like raw, oh, just based off of like raw talent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to the LA Lakers, right? And, you know, their guard positions over the past couple of years have been not, you know, not, not great. They haven't right, really right. had a superstar there. Yeah. I'm going Jamal Murray. Okay. Okay. Number two based off of skill. And I know he's been injured, but if we go back in time and we remember when he's playing, how good he is, I mean, dropping 50 points, that battle with Donovan Mitchell, uh, going hard against Kawhi and the Clippers. I mean, this guy, this guy literally is just, he plays the game on like easy mode. He just like dribbles into a wild fadeaway three. He is what 2K thinks basketball is, but he's just one guy. Like him and Jokic were a dynamic duo. His scoring ability is sometimes unfounded. I'm like, this guy can go get a bucket whenever he wants to. Is Does mm. he have weaknesses? Yeah, for sure. But is he a really, really skilled point guard? Yes. And do I think that he has the potential for deep playoff runs? You know, I mean, he's already been in the playoffs. He's already been on deep runs. He, When the Nuggets had him, those were their best years as of late, right? Yeah. When the Nuggets had him, those have been their best years as of late. They need that person that Jokic could literally feed the ball to that will get you buckets guaranteed. So yeah, when he is back, hopefully this year, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to see how he progresses the Maple Mamba. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Canadian. Really I like good. that. Is that, a, is that, is that well, new? No. Is that something? I've never, I don't think I've heard that one. Isn't that, wasn't that his nickname, the Maple Mamba? No, isn't no, that Andrew Wiggins great. is the Maple Mamba or something like that? Oh, I, there's, a lot, of, there's a lot of good Canadian up. players too. 
now in the league. So you got to me. Hey, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, and the one thing I want to say about Jamal Murray, I feel like this is going to be a little bit contentious putting him so high. Mm. His downside is his injury risk. It really is. His yeah. downside yeah. is is having the injury, but also like freak stuff like that happens. I mean, John Wall is back in the league, and that guy was out for you know two years. Kawhi is coming back. You right. know, stuff happens. But if I'm thinking about how he was as a player, and a little bit about like the Lakers needing that like skilled guard, I'm putting Jamal Murray number two because I think offensively he is just unstoppable. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Your number two. My number two is gonna be the number two from 2016 and that was brendan ingram i'm gonna keep him at number two i think we undervalue brandon ingram as a star in this league or as a potential star superstar type player in this league i think we look at a lot at body type right but he has the the work he has the body of work now to show that he is not just his body type. That's something that other, like you know, players now like Chet Holmgren have to go through. They have to put together a body of work that says, hey, if I'm like this, I can play any way I want and dominate From in this league. 90 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> but he's going to have to prove that 90 nine. pounds. <laughs> if he's 90 pounds soaking wet, he's going to have to prove that he can ball before people believe that his body type can ball. Brandon Ingram does not have to prove that anymore. This kid can ball. He's only 24. He's one of the younger players in of this draft, right? When you talk about Brown, he's 25. When you talk about Simmons, he's 26. You know, there are players that are 27, 28 in this draft. He's he's still 24, which is unreal. I cannot believe he's still 24. That's bro, Brandon Ingram is as old as I am and he it's, is a insane, I'm right? sorry. It's insane. That's insane. But let's talk about his game now. His ability to he has so he has so much length when he makes when he takes those jumpers, right? Especially the hey, turnaround yo. for him. They come so easy because no one can even if they make up the space on the turnaround as a defender, he's shooting over you. It's like KD style. Like he's shooting over you. He doesn't need space to create shots. He's worked on his three pointer. He's a good free throw shooter. Right? His handles are great. And he's stronger than you. He looks too. That's the thing too. It's like he mm-hmm. takes it to the rim a lot, and that's one of the reasons why he is an injury risk. Is he really? He really takes a lot of hits during the season. Mm. He comes out scarred a lot, and that's because he has the ball most of the most of the time. Right when we talked about when you talk about the jump that he's made over the past two years, it's been without his running mate, roughly with with Zion Williamson. Right, there's no one to take the pressure off of him. Ball handling wise, you know, playmaking wise, having to create his own shot, having to create his own drives and make, and you know what I mean? And take those hits to get, to get plays executed. He doesn't have, he didn't have that many options, right? CJ comes in this year. He's probably going to take a little more going into his first full season as a Pelican, but Zion will too. Mm. Brandon Ingram took a lot of hits and, you know, is I, I would say that, I don't know, I don't know his games, uh, per game history or his game log history. But it, I don't think he's played over 70 games in a while, if any, since he was on the Lakers. Like that and that's because he's become a focal point. No, he team. hasn't. He hasn't no, his first year was the only only year that he's played over 70. Yeah. Uh, really that's the first year that he's he's really played I mean his highest was 62 in 2019. So you think about that, that's still 20 games out. It's that's a lot. tough. But that's being that's being as big of a focal point as you are and doing some of the things that he has to do to make, and you know what I mean? Like he has to go to, he has to drive and kick. And, but that's why he's so good too, is like when he's playing, he, he can really be that 25, five and five guy. He, he can, he can, you know, he, he's great defensively too. He can get you blocks when you need them. The only problem is he plays with the Pelicans. They're, they don't really do much. So uh, that's the only yeah. issue. You know what? But in terms Honestly, of a player, just, number two level player. Uh, yeah, you know what, Shrey? I just went back and I looked through, and I think a lot of your points are kind of making me think. And as good as as good as Jamal Murray was, I think I may honestly like – I'm not going to officially switch it, but I, I see where it makes sense to put Brandon, Brandon Ingram number two. 
Yeah. Um, Cause he, he really is. He just, he shoots over everybody. And when I was watching the playoffs, you know, them playing the Suns, it was the best team in the NBA this past year. Right. You know, on paper. Yeah. Um, and he just, I mean, anytime I'm like, this guy's touching the fits. ball, the ball's going in. It's going in. It's going in. It, yeah. It's insane. And yeah. that team, you know, that team is led by him and, you know, CJ played well too, but that team is really led by him. And that gave, they gave the, the number one Suns fits. So they did. And I will say the one thing about Brandon Ingram is the guy looks like he's had, you know, a trip to the dispensary every time he's, uh, well, doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> you guys on a basketball court, he looks like he has some of that OG blue grenade vanilla, you know, some, he's got some that special smooth, smooth, lazy flow. Yeah. But it's just so smooth, I though. It. It's just like he's uh, a bucket. He's, I don't care. He's, do play, he's playing at his own pace. Like you can't make him. You can't make him do anything. Yeah, but you've seen him angry. in interviews, right? Like his eyes are not open, and he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm just hanging out. Appreciate him. <laughs> yeah, I'm just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So okay. I no, I like that number three. Okay. Let me let me do my number three right now, and that's going to be. Ben Simmons. I'm actually going to keep oh. him top three. Um, I think, why? you know, why? <laughs> why? Um, I think, I think we put, I think we forget how the type of player he is for all the faults he has. He's a six, nine, six, eight, six, nine guard was defensively a premier defensive guard in this league, all NBA defense, all NBA. No, player. I don't care. No, you know what? No, I'm stopping right there. It doesn't matter if you don't play. If you have these issues now where you haven't played in a couple, in like two, what? One, two seasons because you're like, ah, 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 like that, that completely discounts your value for me. That means to me that you don't truly love the game. You're not going to put aside these, these weird things. You're going to this like secret doctor you're like, oh, but you don't know my therapist. He goes to a different school. You know, you're not communicating with the team. You're not communicating with your teammates and literally like your brothers. It's like these are the guys who you're going to war with every day. I, oh, I'm sorry. That that brings his stock way down for me. And I hear you. I think mm-hmm. physically, right? It's like, it's like, yeah, it's still Ben Simmons. You know, he's built like LeBron. Everybody's talking like could be the next LeBron because of his physical build. That doesn't matter if the dude can't get on the court because of his own like mommy and daddy issues. I'm sorry. I think I think mentally that definitely put him down on my list, but I think physically is what kept him up. I think when we talked okay. about him originally, that's why I, when we were talking about Ben Simmons last year, we were talking about him as is he was he ready for that number one type spotlight, and we said he wasn't, right? Yeah, no, he wasn't. I mean, I think I think once you get the top two out of the way, when you know, okay, these are guys you can't miss in this draft. You go for a guy with the his body of work still, like as much as the last couple of years has definitely soured his relationship with with NBA fans and how they view him as a player. I think as a player, you want that you want that you want that type of uh, physical presence on the team, and just based on what he can do on the court too. I think that's why I think when you when you kind of gauge his interest in the le- in in basketball. That's one thing, but if you if you gauge how well of a player he is, I think he's a top three talent, just based on on his defensive and also his ability to play make. So mm. I'm keeping him up there. Um, although, yes, I do understand that he has more of a a contentious relationship with basketball, with media, with kind and 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 how and how that and how that is viewed and it's just it's it's not probably gonna i guess if you were to pick him third it may not still work out from a sense like of a team sense right but yeah i yeah but you want i think that's the type of player that i would still pick third so that i think i think, Michelle, I think that's if you're still picking off of him potential. third if you're picking him third if you're picking him third guess where he's going he's going to boston i, I guess but you also brought into the table that um that teams, right, it doesn't matter what team. The teams didn't really matter. I, I know, I know, so, based off so, the skill. I'm just saying. It is unfortunate that you are rewriting history this way. Don't make me take it back. <laughs> no, it's unfortunate that you're rewriting history this way. All right, so I'm actually – well, I want to say is I originally had Brandon Ingram as third, and I, I, listening to your argument, 
my mind has been convinced. I think Brandon Ingram's actually probably better than Jamal Murray. Ooh, Brandon okay. Ingram's number two. Jamal Murray's number three. Jamal Murray's still a stud. He's still an incredible scorer. He's still a really, really good guard. Um, I would take him again. Injuries aside, uh, I think he's really solid. Again, 18 points per game on his career so far, and yeah. he's been out for a long time. So I like what you said about Brandon Ingram. I think that's very, very legit. I am not taking Ben Simmons' top three. My top three, yeah, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Jamal Murray. That's where it is. Everything that I said before still stands, but I think you're correct. And that's kind of what I was going to say about Ingram is he's he's such a skilled player. Um, put him on a team. You know, obviously the Lakers didn't use him right. They didn't develop him correctly. And he really started to take off when he got kind of his own stride and his ability to go. You could still see it on Lakers. Like he was still very good his yeah, first couple yeah. of years. Yeah. But when they were like, all right, we're going to send you off somewhere else. You can go be that guy. He became that guy. He became that guy. Yeah. He was exactly what the Pelicans needed from that Anthony Davis trade. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And I remember, yeah. The Lakers, I just remember that when they got rid of that whole young core, like, yeah, sending like Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and who who, who was the third member of that? It was uh, Ingram. Was Kuzma stayed? Was it Caruso? Or was he on uh, the next trade out? Anthony Davis trade. It was, oh, was that KCP? It was uh, Ball. It was Lonzo. Of course it was. I've totally forgot about oh, that. Oh, it was Lonzo. Yeah. It was right. Lonzo, Ingram, Hart, and three first-round picks. That was the trade. Lonzo, Ingram, Hart. I mean, that you took like these three young guys who had a lot of potential, and you're just like, Psh. I guess the Lakers win, right? Because they won a chip. They won the bubble chip. They won the mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse chip. I get it. But <laughs> still interesting. Number four, Shrey, this one for me, I went down in the draft. DeMontis Sabonis is my number fourth pick. Ooh, okay. A versatile big man who, again, I believe is getting better and better every year. I'm really, really sad to see him on the Kings. I wanted him to come. I wanted him to go somewhere else in the East, right? I wanted him to go somewhere else in the East. I wanted him to go to maybe not the Knicks, but he could find a home. Oh, God, really anywhere. I, I think what he plays really strong defense. He's a hustle player. Uh, his footwork keeps getting better. Like I see him working out. His shooting is improving. Uh, he does it all. He's great. You know, he's great. He's great. He's a great player. So I think for me, he'd go number four. Okay. Look at everybody else. I think that he can make an impact on the right team. If you look at his tenure, he was on the Indiana Pacers who for how many years it's like, what are you doing? Are you rebuilding or are you trying to win? They're right. in this weird middling area where they're like, well, well uh, we could rebuild, but we're not going to tank. We're going to see if Miles Turner really starts carrying us. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we won't give him enough minutes. <laughs> we, won't, we, won't, we won't give him the ball, but we'll see if he can produce. <laughs> All right. We just traded for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, he's hurt. Uh, let's see. Uh, TJ Warren. Now you're going to have a really, really great uh, 15 games. Oh, exactly. He's hurt again, too. Exactly. <laughs> And exactly. you're like, what pick a direction? I mean, now they got, you know, a, a you know, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heal. They got a better young core. They got a but direction. But bonus is gone. Yeah. Miles start. Well, dude, I, I don't know. It's still kind of, they're still kind of weird middling. I team. think they, I think, I think they're on the rebuilding path, but they haven't fully dedicated themselves yet. They still have they to. dedicated, pull, yeah. They have to pull the trigger well, on a, on a Buddy Heal slash Miles Turner trade, I think. I think that's the last draw to, to fall. Yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you have for number four? I have Jamal Murray as number four. I think all for all the reasons okay. that you stated, I think he's proven himself in big moments that he can play with the best guards in this league. Uh, just from what we've seen, the injury, the ACL injury is a concern, but that's a future concern, right? I think we don't know how he's going to come out of the injury, but based on what we know and how he's played prior to the injury, He's a 20-point-per-game scorer. He understands that Jokic is the leader of the team, so he knows how he, he knows to, to, to play through him. And uh, there are times where Murray's going to get, you know, they're going to play through Murray, but most of the time it's going to be Jokic. And I think the rapport that they both have together showed how, how willing of a player he is to, to play with a strong teammate. To, to play with the superstar teammate he's not he's not he doesn't feel at least like he's a me type of guy 
Mm. And I think that I think that's a real that's a real good a good sign of character. And man, the kid, the, the guy can ball like we saw it against Donovan Mitchell. It, it's clear he he understands that when he's hot, nobody can take the ball away from him, and he's gonna he's gonna will the Nuggets to with some to some wins, especially. I think the one thing that I I knock him for at least is defensively. He's not really a great defender. Um, and so in terms no, of no, he's in, not. In terms of a two way player, there are better two way players, offensively and defensively, that I have chosen for my top three. And so that's okay. why, as a scorer, he's of the, of the of the players in this next group. He's the best. I feel the best scorer in that in that group. Okay, okay. Uh, number five for me is Ben Simmons. Okay, he falls down to me. He falls yeah. down to me. It's it's it's. I mean, if you're gonna be a little soft soy boy, seriously. I mean, you have a great situation. It's like you are part of a big three with Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid because of some of the issues that you have. And then all of a sudden you get upset and you're like, I don't want to play on this team anymore. And then you go to the nets and you're like, yeah, my back hurts. I'm sorry. You be, call me a little harsh. Call me, you know, say I'm being a jerk. All this stuff factors into me. And it's like, mm-hmm. if you still straight, we also forget that this guy has an incredible flaw in the NBA's today's game. He still cannot shoot. He, he does shoot not shoot. He cannot yeah. shoot. He and it, it, it's marveling. It's mar. It's like he he better come back this season and be able to just knock down threes and at least attempt like two per game. I mean, honestly, if he could come back and hit a a, a fifteen it foot won three jumper, per game, uh, dude, Something. I'd be. I think people would be fine if he hit a fifteen foot jumper. I think once you get past to the paint, it's a massive flaw. I think when I put him as third, I think the reason was because. In the team setting that he was with, with Embiid and Harris, he didn't have to play a role where he scored from shooting. Tobias Harris is a good shooter. Joel Embiid, for a big man, is a great shooter. And he just had to make sure that he was... Joel Embiid, your center, your five, your big man, shoots more and better than you do, the one. And think about how deadly he could be, right? It's again, Shrey, it's okay. You look at his physical attributes, and that's what you said is why you're ranking him so high. You're like, I'm looking at his skill, his physical attributes. He's still missing the three point. I mean, all these years, Shrey, if I. No, no, I agree. It's a big flaw. In my. So, this was, since I don't have the high this week, I won one of my basketball league championships. This is the first time I've ever won anything. Congratulations. I saw the picture. Yep. Thank you. It was was fantastic. It was literally hype. Um, I had a three in the game. I'm the five. I'm like the post up big. I'm like, I'm there to play defense. But if I'm stretching the floor and I am a regular dude who has put this into my game over the past ye- like year, two years, if right. I can do it, you can do it. I don't want to hear excuses. Like this is your job to play basketball. And that is what is so appalling. Is I work a day job. <laughs> I'm, I don't have any professional aspirations. It's like I, I play basketball because I love the sport. Right. It's not my job. It's not my like, it's not my career. So for you to still not be able to shoot, dude, I mean, I think five is gracious. After your yeah. attitude problems and of the fact that you still can't shoot in today's NBA, I think five is gracious. Okay. I mean, I'm giving you that because you are such a skilled defender and passer. And okay. like inside score. That's it. Boom. <laughs> okay. Mic drop. Perfect. Who's your number five? My number five is uh, Pascal Siakam. Yeah. I think, okay. I think okay. he's part, you know, he's he's been part of a winning team. A winning culture. He had a two seasons ago. He had a down year, and of course, that was the year I uh, I had him on my fantasy team. <laughs> but he really, he really, he really came back uh, and played really good basketball this year. Uh, shot close to fifty percent from the field. He had his career high in rebounds per game. He's been a twenty point per game scorer the past couple of years. He's been a really good player. And obviously the, the Raptors are, they're not great, right? They're, they're not horrible, but they're kind of in the middle. They're on the bubble of playoff teams and they might, you know, they might squeak in as an age seed here and there, who knows, especially with the, the other talent they have on their team. But he's, he's really, a, he's become a cog to me. He's not just, he used to be the spin move Siakam, right? That used to be classic. You know him and him yeah. and Randall were spin move buddies. They love the spin move, but right. Siakam has graduated that school, at least from what I saw last year. 
he really elevated yes. his game to to really sh- being a better shooter and to being a better playmaker and, and not having kind of that one move arsenal, which Randall, you know, still furiously taking notes and uh, still getting D's, but he's still, you know, he's still stuck in spin move school. He needs to, he needs to kind of figure that out. Yeah. No, I, no, sure. I think that's, I think that's a great point on um, Siakam and, and he has, he has cracked my top seven for mm-hmm. those reasons. Um, who do you have? Who do you have at number six? My six is going to be Sabonis. You talked about him. And uh, I really love, as a big man, when you can get involved offensively, not in terms of scoring, right? He's a he's a great passer. And that's that's really good. He's a willing passer, too. Like, I wouldn't say he, th- he, he has dimes. I wouldn't say he's, like, kind of Jokic dimey in a sense. But yeah, his passes, but he's got good passes. He's got yeah. good passes. He understands where his teammates are, and that's that's just a camaraderie he builds really quickly, right? Even in the Kings when he got traded, he continued to kind of play that style of basketball, and he was still effective because for some he, he's able to f- have a good feel for his teammates around him and where they are very quickly too. And I mean that's why he's an All Star level player is that people understand how good he can be for a team for a winning team because he doesn't have to he doesn't have to score 30 or 25 to to be a good to have a good night he can have a triple double with 13 11 and 10 right he may not have shot have shot well but you that team has a has a chance of winning because of his other contributions yep and i've seen him i've seen him there's some people who like can't if he gets going He's got a nut. He's got a deep enough. Bag oh, he's so strong in the post too. He's a he, he's, he can bully people in the post. He is a beast. He's a yeah. beast. I mean, he's got he's got he's got quads and legs for days. And I actually <laughs> trade that shoulders. Great point. No, I lo- I, he'll he'll literally like ram his shoulder into people when he goes up. Yeah, but he gets. But exactly, it's like he he is a great he is a great passer. I honestly forgot about his passing. I was just thinking about his scoring and rebounds. Oh yeah, you know. He is, yeah, and he he is one of the few remnants of a conventional big man that still kind of exists within today's NBA. Right, but he will um, hit the three. He's oh, he a willing three. He does shooter. more than Ben Simmons does. He does more than Ben Simmons does. <laughs> I see what. And that's why for me, <laughs> that's why for me, it's Sabonis then Ben Simmons. Sorry, no. It's okay, fair. so that's your, Sabonis is your number six. Yep. All right, my number six is Dejounte Murray. Uh, I, I, I think that if we're looking at the potential, right, he, he had a rough couple first couple of years, but if we're looking at the potential of this man and where he can go, I know he's hitting people on the head with basketballs right now. Seems like he's kind of a, uh, kind of a jerk and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's got a he feels real like he's attitude. Bullying young players. I don't know what he's doing with Paolo. He seems like he's bullying, but he's beefing with Banchero, you know, he, he, he that, that, that I'm not, you know, it's, a, eh, it's basketball though, you know? You're gonna have yeah. To at the end of the day, it. it's entertainment. It's, that's entertainment. And, you know, he seems like he's a professional in the league. So mm-hmm. he was out there at the WNBA game. So you know, he's a Seattle kid. Um, so I, you know, I'll give that to him. But I just think straight. I mean, I look at his build, and we've talked about Dejounte Murray a bunch. So I'm not going to waste too much time. I think number six. If you look at where he's going right now and what he's already done, I mean, he is also like a walking triple double, pretty much how he can handle the ball, how he can attack the basket. His his ability, agility, and flexibility mm. is is fantastic. I like and dude, I also just looked at his frame. This guy's got the widest shoulders I've ever oh, seen. Oh, he's got broad as hell shoulders, yeah. Like wide. He he's he barely dude's barely fitting through the door frame if he goes straight through. I mean <laughs> Yeah, he's gotta go sideways, yeah. <laughs> but he's so quick. His handle is so crisp. I mean, mm. yeah. You love to, if the guy's throwing lobs to himself, come on. So that's <laughs> that's number six for me. Um and in defense too. Right? And that's the you thing. Think yeah. about he is a really, really strong defender. He's a hustler. He's got he's my number six spot mm-hmm. taken out of this draft. Number seven. The final, yeah, I got I got your guy. I got Murray uh, Dejounte. Yep. Okay. And uh, one thing to add, I think, is when we talked about how his early career was, he got to learn from players like Manu Ginobili, right? Like mm. he didn't. He may not have had the best early career, and he was he was kind of you know under the depth chart. He wasn't really getting played as much. But when they gave the team to him, right, a couple of years ago, he understood that his skill set could really take off how he 
viewed the game, he's he he really played well on some mediocre to not really good Spurs teams. And so that's one thing to watch out in the future is, you know, now he's on a good team with as the Hawks, with the Hawks, right? And he's a, with another backcourt mate that handles the ball a lot in Trey Young. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see how that dynamic works out. But defensively, he's he's one of the best uh defensive guards in this league. Consistently getting into passing lanes, his uh his anticipation is really good. And that's how he he's he's always a steals leader over the past couple of years because of his long arms. But also he understands that it, it's not just about being lanky to get to be a good defender. You right. gotta have great timing. You gotta right. have great footwork. And you gotta have great anticipation. He has he he has the makings of a really uh, consistent defensive player for a long time. So I agree. And my number seven is three time NBA champion Patrick McCaw. <laughs> Goat. Goat. You know, I think if you're looking at winning three NBA chips within the first couple of years, so I think it's undisputed. No, uh, mine is my number seven is Siakam. Okay. Uh, for all those reasons, yeah. it's like, yeah, he had the down year, and I think that's really sticking in a lot of people's minds. You know, you say Siakam nowadays, people are like, what? Uh, we could see the reemergence of who he was in 2019 and even some of 2018. I mean, the guy was – he really came up, and I think he's a perfect number two. I don't think he's like a, a true – like that guy leader. But right, I think right. if you need buckets in the paint, if you need a little bit of outside shooting, you need some length and defense, mm-hmm. Siakam is going to – and again, the guy plays through every single game. Um, he's really funny in a lot of interviews too, so I'll give him bonus points there. Um, <laughs> but he's part hes part of a winning culture. He's part of a championship team, and the Raptors don't win without him. Yeah. He really stepped up too. He kind of came him. out of nowhere that year too, and he really stepped up as a as a pivotal piece in that championship run. And hey, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If he can spin his way to an NBA championship. (laughs) I'm just glad he got more moves in the arsenal now. I'm glad I'm not seeing the same move. Because he was getting that that two years ago, he was getting, people were like, okay, I know what move is coming. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know know what he's going to do. I'm going to step down slightly to the left because he's going to, yeah. Yeah, and now now he realized that like, hey, I can't just, trust this one move and he worked on it over the offseason he figured out like you know i'm gonna be able to shoot face up like i'm going to i'm going to use my my length i'm going to figure out how to to get to the paint without just doing the spin move and uh it's really worked out for him last year he was much better to watch at least from a, a viewership standpoint yeah absolutely absolutely Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, we have just manipulated space and time. We hope that you have enjoyed this uh, special uh, trip through the universe here, and we have redrafted the NBA. Let us know what you think. Uh, mm. I think Ben Simmons is not that guy anymore. So we'll probably post uh, this list, too, uh, on our socials as well. If you're not following us, definitely give us a follow there. And again, big things coming for the podcast. They're loading currently in the process. It's behind the scenes. Uh, no Twitter leaks over here, though. So we're all good. <laughs> You've been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas, and we will see you next time. Peace.